Hello, and welcome to the Impact Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry and how some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here is your host, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the Impact Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa. And today we have a very special guest, Arden Sokolow. Arden is the Executive Vice President of Affordable Housing with Douglas Thin Development. How are you doing, Arden? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on. You, you told me earlier that you are in Brooklyn, New York. Are you, uh, how are things COVID wise in Brooklyn these days? Well, things are getting better. I, I know many people who are getting the vaccines and starting to be able to go out of the house. And I'm going to work once every three weeks. Now we have a rotation. And so it's we're starting to come back. Good. And it's getting to be springtime. Nothing better than mm-hmm. springtime in New York. It's beautiful weather today. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so are you, are you originally from Brooklyn? Did you grow up there? I grew up in Manhattan. I moved to Brooklyn a couple of decades ago. But I'm a lifelong New Yorker. Very cool. I tried is, to get. I've tried to get out several times, and none of them have ever. <laughs> Where did you want to go? Where did you try to go? New Jersey. I briefly moved to. I lived in Boston briefly. I toyed with going south for a while for college. None of them ever stuck. I would go for a little bit, and I'd be drawn back here. So I think this is where I'm meant to be. Meant to be. Well, you are playing an integral role in shaping the city, and your career has has have has done that. Um, and now you're with, uh, Douglaston development as their executive mm-hmm. vice president of affordable housing. Can you just tell people about a little bit more about Douglaston and also kind of your role there? Sure. Uh, Douglaston is a company uh, Jeff Levine's f- formed about 40, over 40 years ago, started largely as a construction company. Um, and then he moved on to expand into development as well as property management. Uh, Jeff Levine's a remarkable person who cares deeply about affordable housing. He grew up in public housing in Brooklyn, and so he knows how important uh, making sure affordable housing opportunities, um, making them available broadly um, and, and in a variety of types are, is important. So um, he's a remarkable person. I'm glad to work there. Um, Douglaston has about 7,500 units, both market rate and affordable, spread throughout not only Five boroughs, but elsewhere in the country, um, and is trying and is growing every day. So um, it's a really exciting uh, place to be, and I was thrilled to join as the executive vice president for affordable housing. I steer the organization's um, affordable housing efforts, trying to uh, they were, they were already really strong before I got there, but they want to broaden them, form new partnerships, work with nonprofits, work with MWBEs, and do a lot more in the affordable housing space, both in New York and outside. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've, I've known, well, Douglaston development. I've, my, my, my family's from Douglaston, Queens. So I always had like a connection with Douglaston development in my mind. I mean, two of our offices are, most of our offices based in Douglaston. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, I've always connected. And then I knew you guys did some affordable, so there wasn't really like a, I guess there was a little bit of an emphasis on affordable. Now with your hiring, you guys are supercharged getting into into the more of the affordable stuff. 
I mean, they, the, Jeff is at his heart, at, at heart, an affordable developer. He started in, in with a lot of affordable housing. Um, so with my arrival, I think it's just to put an, a focus on it that expands it to um, be work on more strategic partnerships with other with other players and in other cities. Gotcha. That's cool. Cool. Um, and so how many units did you say you guys have now? The Douglaston has over 7,500 units. Very cool. And a majority is in New York? Yes. Any like boroughs you're focused on or just all over? We actually work in all the boroughs. and um, But right now we're work, we have a project in construction in the Bronx. We have a, a public housing revitalization project in Brooklyn. In fact, it's the one that Jeff Levine uh, grew up in. And oh, we are now cool. We're now part of the team that is rehabilitating it and, and, and making positive change there. And what sort of partnerships are you looking for? You said some with nonprofits, are you looking for more, any, anything in particular? Um, yeah, we're one of, one of the things that I really have enjoyed in working in my roles prior to, um, to coming to Douglaston was seeing how, teams can be built to accomplish a variety of goals. So in my government roles, I always love to see developers who had a lot of capacity for construction, a lot of experience in property management, partnering with not-for-profits that knew the community well and brought brought other um, really strong qualities to a team. I loved, in my government role, I love to see that. And so one of the things I'm really excited about at Douglaston is is seeing how Douglaston can continue. I mean, they have a strong track record of partnering with others, but how we can even build that more, work with some of the national not-for-profits that do affordable housing um, and work with not-for-profits that are specifically community-based to to develop housing that is um, attuned to the community and addresses community needs. What other areas besides New York are you guys targeting? Any specific regions of the country? Um, well, Douglaston uh, has uh, senior housing in uh, Arizona. So one of the things we're looking at is how to how to build on that because mm. um, we already have a platform there. We're building market rate housing in Seattle. So we're looking okay. we're looking all we're looking all over the country, upstate New York, New Jersey, variety of places. Very cool. And how how is it getting done? Uh, affordable housing done in New York, maybe compared to. I don't know in other areas of the country. Is it particularly hard? Is it? It seems to be there's a lot of affordable housing. Let me backtrack. A lot of the people I know in affordable housing, even if they're not based in in New York, there's a lot of investment of in affordable housing there. It feels like. Is mm-hmm. it a super competitive market? Yeah, New York is New York is really competitive. There is no affordable housing industry in the world as strong as the affordable housing community in New York. Both the people who live here and built their companies based in New York and those that are um, coming from elsewhere to invest in New York. It's just, I was the regional director for um, for multifamily housing at HUD and I got the opportunity there to oversee affordable housing developments from West Virginia to Maine. Mm. And I can tell you, I was really surprised by how different uh, affordable housing development is in outside of New York and New York is just really lucky to have such a talented group of people and talented, uh, you know, a talented amount and a remarkable amount of investment in it. 
um, you know, trying to build affordable housing in West Virginia was was a different set of challenges. In New York, it's about competing for sites and a limited pool of subsidy. In West Virginia, it's about there aren't really so you know strong affordable housing subsidy programs, and you have to sort of cobble together even more subsidy sources to get to get an affordable housing project in West Virginia done, as opposed to in New York, where it's all about putting together the right deal and the right team to compete for scarce resources. Do you think it's just more pro, like politically more pro affordable housing or is it just culturally? I mean, it seems like it's always Uh, always been a component of the city. Yeah. New York has benefited from a series of mayors starting with Ed Koch that had, that have been really committed to creating affordable housing as a core part of of their you know their government work and i think because of that this industry and the affordable housing infrastructure has has really blossomed and that hasn't happened as much outside it, in in areas in in smaller areas it has happened in places like san francisco boston and some of the some of the larger cities um but you know if you're trying to build affordable housing in you know Western Massachusetts, it's, it's a little harder. Yeah. Is there also, um, a difference? I know there's like the 4% and the 9% credits. Mm-hmm. Um, is it harder? Are there any 9% deals getting done in New York? Is that a thing? Yeah, they, they, they get, they absolutely get done. New York city leaves no resource on the table. <laughs> like you know, it, it uses every dollar that's available it to, to create affordable housing so nine percent deals four percent deals all of that is is getting done and it's it's exciting to watch um we went you know we're hopeful that in as part of the infrastructure bills and 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 the, as all the new work coming out of the biden administration there'll be even more resources no. gotcha and can, yeah can you talk about that a little more like how do you what do you guys foresee with uh the new the new bills and, and all the biden the stuff that Biden's doing um, is going to affect. Well, let's talk about more affect your 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 business specifically. Yeah, well, there is a focus on um, public housing in all of all of these bills. So my job immediately before coming to Douglaston, I was the chief of staff at, for the New York City Housing Authority, so it's an issue really close to my heart about how you make sure that public housing is is treated as infrastructure that that it needs resources. Um, to maintain it. It's not going to maintain itself. And um, the public housing stock in New York is in is in dire straits. It, it was it was the a really hard job to work at the housing authority because you want to help uh, help public housing get better and help the residents have decent, safe and sanitary housing, but the resources weren't there. So the fact that um, most of these bills are are all talking about public housing is really exciting. And like I mentioned, uh, Jeff Levine grew up in public housing and we are currently working on a public housing rehabilitation in Brooklyn and are really excited about the opportunity to help transform public housing. And so more resources towards those ends are are really important to, to yeah. see in the, from the Biden administration. It's awesome. Like if you're going to get an affordable, what's the kind of the process people don't know, like is what's the kind of process of getting, a, how do you get an affordable deal in New York? What's the, what's the, 
Yeah, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So you you put together, you find a site, if it's a private site, or... um, and you put together a team and a program, and then you have to cobble together a host of affordable housing resources. It's not going to be just one source to get, to get it done. So you have to both align the sort of political and the community coalitions, as well as line up the subsidy sources, and it all has to come together um, at the right time to close on a project, construct a project, bring a project online, and then maintain it as a, a um, for the community. So all those things have to come together. It's, uh, I had, I'll be honest with you, I had no idea. I spent, prior to this role, I spent the vast majority of my career on the government side. Yeah, I had no idea how hard it was on the private side to put together a deal and make all of those factors come together. Um, it's really, I'm not 100% sure all the government officials understand <laughs> the complexity that it takes um, uh, to, to do that and to align them all at once. So, well, now you know, kind of, right? Maybe you can, uh, now maybe, I know. Maybe you can educate them. <laughs> I have to say, I, I knew I needed to go to the private sector at some point. Like I knew there were gaps in my knowledge that there was only so much I was ever going to be able to see about how development comes together from the public. And so I knew I knew that there I didn't know what I didn't know, but but I knew there was stuff I needed. Maybe one day you go back to the public one and tell them tell them how it's done. <laughs> Show them how it's done. Very few people some people do that. <laughs> so how did you get I mean yeah, I mean you're just going through your career. You mentioned a few a few of your previous uh roles in in the public mm-hmm. on the public side. I mean, obviously these are big roles within affordable housing and housing preservation and like, can you take us through kind of your background? Like, what, how did you get into this industry? I mean, part of this, what my job is as a recruiter, right? So, yeah, uh, highlighting sort of like how people get into this world, and you know, what did you think you were getting into, and what did you actually get into, yeah. uh, and maybe kind of navigating y- your career a little bit. Well, housing has always been an issue in my life, in my personal life. I mean, I grew up. I, 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 you know, one of the earliest stories I remember being told about was that I was lying in my crib in an apartment in Manhattan when the ceiling uh, collapsed yeah. on uh, right, like right next to my crib. And um, my family, for a while, we really struggled with um, finding housing in New York City. Uh, and we struggled with homelessness. And eventually I wound up in the child welfare system, not only because of the housing issues, but definitely exacerbated because of the housing issues. Wow. So I knew how important housing is to the stability of communities, the stability of families. I wasn't sure that I wanted to go into housing. I thought uh, I thought maybe I'd become a lawyer, but I kept, so I took a job at uh, in for New York City's investigative arm that investigated police misconduct because I thought I wanted to go be a lawyer and help communities that way. Mm. And I found that when I would be going out and doing interviews, um, instead of being as focused as I should be on the facts of the case in front of me, I was really more interested in the communities that I was going into and how how those communities impacted lives. And so I found myself in urban planning school 
And I was just continued to be drawn to housing in urban planning school. I was lucky enough right out of urban planning school to land at um, New York City's Housing Preservation and Development, which is the best training ground for anybody who ever wanted to go work in housing. <laughs> um, I worked in a variety of, of roles there, um, including um, in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, heading up a new division called the Distressed Assets Program. I just had I was just lucky enough to get to work on sort of whatever the hot housing topic of the time was during my my years at, at, at New York City's HPD. And um, then I briefly left for the private sector and then um, Hurricane Sandy happened. Wow. And when Hurricane Sandy happened, I realized I really missed being part of the government response. So I went back for a task force that then Mayor Bloomberg was setting up to look at how housing and buildings could be improved. Well, both could be re- repaired in the aftermath of Sandy, but could be improved in the event of future future storms. Uh-huh. So I worked on that for a while. And then I had learned so much about housing and storm recovery that I went to New York State's Governor's Office of Storm Recovery to continue that work where we, and we repaired about 10,000 homes impacted by Sandy throughout New York State. And then, you know, we after we did after I did that, um, I completed what my family jokingly calls my bureaucratic triple crown <laughs> and went to the federal government. So by then I hit city, state, and federal uh, federal service. And I became, I mentioned before that I was the regional director for multifamily housing uh, for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And that was a great job because that was my first real exposure to housing outside of New York City. Uh-huh. Uh, like I said, it covered from West Virginia to Maine. So we got to see a lot of housing there. We issued, it, there were two main parts of my job. There was a production side that was geared towards making federally, insu- issuing federally insured mortgages for uh-huh. both affordable and market rate housing, the FHA loan programs. And then uh, we also asset managed all the Section 8 and other types of federally assisted programs to make sure that they were safe and operating. And so it was a great experience. I did that for a few years until the there was a change of the administration in 2016. As, mm-hmm. you know, and things dramatically changed at HUD in the aftermath of the election, 2016 election. And so I stayed through 2018. Um, then the changes became a little too pronounced for me. And I left to go become chief of staff at the New York City Housing Authority. Did you bring a lot of your experience from out? Like, did you learn stuff from like outside New York that you could bring back? Yeah, I did. There was a, I mean, the housing, I, I didn't work in ha- public housing for HUD, but, um, but I did work in a lot of the communities and talk with a lot of the advocates and public housing is an issue in every community. So when I got back to NYCHA, a, I was able to help NYCHA because I had deep connections at HUD, which is important because they're the regulators and fun- and funders of New York City's public housing. Um, but also just understanding that public housing is in distress everywhere. <laughs> and, um, so, and I had learned some of the strategies other communities had. So I was at the Housing Authority not long. I, it was a very transitional period while the city was negotiating um, 
to avoid receivership of the public housing. So I was there for a year and a half with the primary role of trying to help NYCHA get onto stable ground and negotiate an agreement both with the U.S. attorney and with with HUD. That was my primary role. Uh, And so once that kind of settled down and they moved to the implementation phase after most of the uh, negotiating was done, uh, I took a leave of that. I just, I I left. I didn't know what I was going to do next. And then I started talking with Douglaston and it became clear to me that what I really wanted to do was learn the other side of all this real estate stuff I had been doing. Um, But I never understood how you actually build it. So I wanted to go to a developer that was was vertically integrated, that had a construction arm and a management arm, and uh, there was there's no better place for me. Yeah, how did you how did you meet Jeff? I've known Jeff for a decade or so through my government work, right? Because he's done so much work with with the affordable housing world. So I've known him for for a long time, and. Uh, and even just asking around, I was like, who, what developers should I be talking to? And his name came up over and over again. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Like what skill sets did you kind of come into this world with and then have learned over the years that you feel like people who maybe want to get into this industry should possess? So what's important is an understanding of policy but a knowledge of how things work, right? There's frequently people who come and I want to do housing policy and I want to create the new, the next new program. And I, I, I was totally like that. Um, but once I actually had to run a program, it was more like, how do people actually benefit from this program? And, you know, what's the form they fill out to start the process? And how do they yeah. get their certificate of occupancy so they can start actually house people and people reap the benefits of it. And it's just, yeah. So un- like you need to understand the big picture, but you need to sweat the small stuff too. And there, and all of my favorite jobs are ones that require, that required both of those. Yeah. Was there like a, any financial skills that you had to learn any like hard skills? Yeah. Uh, and I learned that, um, you know, I, I mean, I guess I, I learned a little bit in grad school, but most, like I said, HPD is the best training ground. You go work for, you know, working for a government agency that's making loans and issuing tax credits and reviewing RFPs is the best way to learn. And it was, it was the best training ground I could have asked for. That's, that's awesome. And so, I mean, where do you see New York City affordable housing going over the next couple of years? Like, what do you, do you see? I, I mean, you, you said before you think it's growing. There's um, policies going to be implemented. They're going to be helpful. But is there anything that's like specific or any part, areas of the city? Um, and also, like affordable housing investment has been like it's been a darling of the of the investment community lately. Like, do you think that's going to continue going on in that direction? I am hopeful that it, that will continue. I think I, I don't, you know, all those who have claimed New York City is dead, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, have have had to recant those words over and over time, right? And and I don't think anybody reasonably thinks that there won't be a recovery here. It might be long, but I think investment will still continue. At least that, I am hopeful that it, and optimistic that it will continue. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of change that's going to happen. There's going to be a new mayor in less than a year. 
Um, there's going to be a lot of change to housing. I think there's been a lot of focus on social justice and fair housing issues. And I think those will become um, more of a focus, making sure we're building ha- housing throughout all of New York City, not just in a few community boards that, you know, not, not just in you know isolated community boards or specific boroughs. I think there's going to be a focus on how to develop housing in what what some people call high opportunity areas or other areas that haven't typically been thought of for affordable housing. The other thing that I think is going to be an intense focus simply out of necessity is tying our housing production programs to the homeless crisis in mm. New York and making sure that those programs are connecting and you know with building building units directly results in reductions in homelessness how to tie all your rental subsidy programs and affordable production programs and and homeless services together to make sure that they do work together. Yeah, it sounds like, um, I mean, I'm originally from New Jersey and I lived a long time in New York. I actually live, I don't know if you know, I live in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area now. Mm -hmm. But I used to, you know, I I go back to New York during non-COVID times, like every every month or so, I'm there for a week. and then I, you know, this last year I stopped obviously for COVID, but like when I, I would come back occasionally, but the homeless crisis, like the Bay area shocked me with the, how much homelessness there was in San Francisco compared to, I mean, I grew up, I grew up going to New York in the eighties and mm-hmm. you know, when there was a lot of homelessness, but going to the San Francisco was like, holy smokes. It was like yeah. 10 times as much homelessness. It was just crazy. Right. Um, but then I started going back to New York more and the homeless, at least a couple of last couple of years, it seems like the homeless population or at least the visible homeless population have increased. Yeah. But like I traffic Midtown and like the West Village and stuff like that. And I'm seeing it. Like, is there a particular reason for that? Like, why is what policies? I know this is not about homelessness, but you just, yeah. it just triggered something in my mind. Is there something that like housing is doing or not doing the last couple of years in New York that has caused more homelessness? I don't think it's caused by um, housing. I think it's caused by uh, reductions in in other funding services, you know, mental health issues. I don't think it, I don't think there's been a change in the housing policies that have, have resulted in, in more. I think it's uh, more nuanced about sort of the yeah. holistic picture of what the homeless need. That's hmm. yeah, it. I just, it's just so, it was so pronounced the last time I was there. Well, if you're here during COVID, it get it feels very pronounced because the city is so empty. Yeah, everyone so. else left. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's awesome. And then you said so, Douglas. So is Douglas in building out there? Are you helping build out more of like the department? The like what kind of what kind of jobs do you need to fill in order to build like create an affordable housing company or, or build out an affordable I housing mean, company? Like I said, this company is definitely built. I'm just trying to help them strategically expand. Um, so I think what we're focused on is the pipe is the pipeline and how to build the pipeline. It's you know responding to RFPs that are issued by various cities and states, state agencies, both in New York and outside, so we can identify new sites to build. It's acquiring private sites that we believe we can develop. It's it's it's. It's looking at communities where there's opportunities. It's looking for, especially in the aftermath of COVID, potentially development projects that are distressed or troubled who might need a new partner to come in and help them. So my first focus, and I've been here just about a year, maybe a little over a year now. 
um, has been primarily on on figuring out the pipeline. Then we'll we'll figure out the staffing after that. They definitely Douglaston has the infrastructure, all of you know a great infrastructure to do it. And it's just, it'll just be a matter of sizing it for the pipeline that we built. So um, yeah, that's been our focus on how we're growing. Are you also looking to partner with other, you mentioned a lot of nonprofits. Do you also partner more with for-profit, like other affordable housing developers? And Absolutely. Deals? We love we love to partner with both both for-profit, minority-owned businesses, and nonprofits. Awesome. Well, congratulations. I mean, yeah, well, Douglaston Development's a big, big name in New York, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so congrats on, on such an awesome role there. Uh, I'm really, I'm really lucky. I'm gr- and grateful. Are you ready to go on the hot seat? All right, let's do it. I'm ready. Oh! The hot seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They've also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. Yeah, the hot seat. Everybody loves the hot seat. All right. <laughs> Do you have any books you recommend? It could be in, about what we're talking about or life in general or New York or housing. You pick. Um, so I've been reading. Um, a, I just finished President Obama's Promised Land book, which, while definitely could have used an editor because it's 700 pages long. Yeah. It kept me busy <laughs> for a large chunk of, of, of pandemic. Um as well as a, a book about the recovery of um, Detroit. Okay, uh, that sounds the, pretty interesting. In the face of in, in the face of bankruptcy, and um, it's really um, both those books. I, I was trying to figure out. I knew you were going to ask this question. And I was trying to figure out Good. why I was going to say that these books. Uh, uh, I was drawn to these books, and what I realized was both these books show how complex decision-making is. Um, Public service is full of making hard decisions, incredibly hard decisions, you know, in the case of President Obama and and in the case of of Detroit. I mean, there were just heartbreaking decisions that have to be made every day uh, by uh, by government officials. And uh, I, I enjoy reading and learning about how people make those decisions and how you weigh the pros and cons of all these decisions and how winners and losers are decided and how you mitigate against the losses of every decision. And it just, I don't know that public servants get the credit they deserve uh, for how hard these decisions. It's a great answer. Thank you. Do you, uh, do you listen to any podcasts? I do. Any so okay, so I just finished one called "Making Beyonce," 
Nice. <laughs> I highly recommend it. The first season was making Obama, and it's about how Obama came up. And the second season is uh, making Beyonce. Is- and I have to, I have to say, I enjoyed the Beyonce season more than I enjoyed the Obama. That sounds like a great concept. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds pretty cool. They're they're both really great. I also listened to because my family has banned me from rewatching The West Wing again for like the 47th <laughs> time, uh, so I'm not allowed to watch it anymore. But now I can um, I can uh, I listen to a podcast called The West Wing Weekly, which sort of goes episode by episode, and they bring special guests who are on the episode and they deconstruct. That's pretty cool. So I, my I, West I, Wing I, fix I, without watching it again. I listen to the Sopranos weekly, basically ah. the same thing. They watch the Sopranos and talk about it. I love the Sopranos. That was great. It's a great podcast. I did not know. I'll, I'll look for that one. It's called, uh, I think it's called Watching the Sopranos. Or something. It's with uh, mm-hmm. Michael Imperioli and uh, Steve Sharippa. Oh, the two actors that sounds from the, great. On the show. Yeah, it's good. And they have all the characters and people on it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like to do outside of work? Um, I have, so like I mentioned before that I like left NYCHA and took a leave of absence while I just sort of recovered from all my various government services and I became addicted to Pilates. Oh, nice. And it's been, right. That, that's pretty much all I did for three months in between jobs was go to Pilates every day. And so I've become really addicted to Pilates. And then I was heartbroken when I could, for the last year, I have not been able to go to Pilates. They're just opened this week. Oh, they did. All right. Yeah. Welcome back. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, what advice would you give to your twenty-year-old self? Wasn't that long ago? (laughs) It was very long (laughs) ago. But, um, I would tell my younger self to that adrenaline is a drug. Um, and that crisis management, which I'm good at, which I've gone from job to job to focus on, on sort of setting up programs and responses, whether it's a hurricane or, or the housing authority facing receivership or distressed assets. I hopped from crisis to crisis because I'm really good at it. But what I'm realizing is that, you know, if you really want to benefit people, it's not just the setting up of the program. It's making sure it works in the long term. And I think I got a, I got quite addicted to the adrenaline of the crisis. Mm. And I didn't necessarily focus enough on enjoying the experience at the time and making sure that everything I was putting in place was sustainable for the long term. Wow. That's awesome. Great answer. Um. Now you mentioned like, what do you look for in hiring people? I'm not asking you to, you know, this is what we're looking for in a job description type of thing, but like what type (laughs) of people do you like to work with? Or do you find that you're effective working with? Yeah. Um, I tend to be a big picture person. And so I like to put, like to make sure I'm part of a team. I like to hire people who complement that. So people I mentioned before sweating the details, I like people who can understand the big picture, but who sweat the details and are able to see sort of why they're doing what they're doing, but don't let anything slip because it complements sort of my bigger picture focus. You know yourself. That's good. It's Um, it's a, it's a formula that has worked really well for me. (laughs) 
I, I, hiring, I, so my former boss at Housing Authority told me that hiring is my superpower. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, come over to the recruiter side. We'd love to have you. Um, now, this is another a new question that I've started asking. What impact does your real estate have or do you want your real estate to have? I want Douglaston to I want Douglaston to create a variety of housing that's sort of like I just said, sweats the details and focuses on the big picture. Achieves all the goals that government wants and makes sure that nothing is getting nothing is getting lost that the, that the build that the, the buildings are wonderful places to live that we're creating partnerships with social service agencies and service providers that are making sure that everybody has what they need and that and that these buildings will endure for the long term. Awesome. Well, Arden Sokolow? Yep. Sokolow? Sokolow. Sokolow. Mm -hmm. Executive Vice President of Affordable Housing at Douglaston Development. Thank you for sharing your story with us. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Impact Real Estate Podcast. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and share it with your network. Follow us on social media at tbg.realestate. Have a great day.